Live. Hello, everybody. Um, welcome along. So, tour tonight, which is episode 29, I think we're up to now. Yeah. Um, we are really lucky to be joined by Kathy Ortiz, who is a Pedro Sour Black Belt and founder of, or one of the co founders of Agogi Academy. Um, and yeah, it's great. We're just going to jump straight in, I think. How are well, you? UK? Yeah, thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Um, so, we usually kind of do a little bit of preamble people know before the podcast starts. So uh, we do warn all our guests that we're going to ask them probably to repeat themselves because we kind of get into it before we get a chance to press play or whatever. So um, do you want to tell everybody kind of maybe just introduce yourself a little bit and sort of tell them about how you got into jujitsu and, and it's kind of a good start, I guess. Sure. Um, so I started jujitsu about 15 or 16 years ago. Um, Honestly, I really had no idea what jiu-jitsu was. Um, I had stumbled into a martial arts academy to do some kickboxing to get in shape and um, started doing that. And there was jiu-jitsu offered on the other days, So I started to take that and really realized how great it was for self-defense for one thing, but also just, I just fell in love with it. I've, and I've been training it ever since. The kickboxing has gone away very quickly once I discovered the jiu-jitsu. So um, that's kind of how I got started and uh, just been training ever since. Was it a, um, uh, which school was it? Was it that you walked into first of all? It was not um, a Pedro Sauer school at the time. Um, it was a school in uh, Maryland uh, run by Jeff Gordon. And at the time it was under uh, Hoist Gracie. Um, and then he switched to Pedro Sauer for a time, and now he's with another association. So and when his school switched um, from Pedro Sauer, I moved to a different school that was Pedro Sauer school in the area. So, so I train um, up in Herndon uh, with Pedro Sauer school there. So how, how long were you at the, um, the Herndon Academy? There, how long have you been there? I've been at the Herndon Academy since about 2009 or 10. So most of my, I don't know, I, I call it most of my childhood in jiu-jitsu. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but so now a good 10, 11 years around there. So it's, um, it's a great academy and I really enjoy it. And uh, can't, always, always ready to go in. Would you still say you're in your childhood in jiu-jitsu? Because everyone always talks about having that white belt mentality. And Yeah. Um... Yeah. I, you know, I always feel that way. I feel like I'm learning all the time. And that's one of the things that I love about it. I, I'm sure you guys have had the same experience, but I just, I love all the classes. I love, I take the beginner classes. I take the open rank classes, anything, you know, and I, I feel like I'm learning all the time. And it's such a great um lifestyle in that regard it's just awesome what was it like that first time stepping onto the mat to do it because you're saying yeah. you kickboxing so had you done kickboxing before so was that like a no I you know the kickboxing I kind of just thought would be kind of fun to do I really thought it was like the shadow boxing kickboxing that you sort of see you know in gyms and uh discovered really quickly it wasn't but I did really like it. And I liked the people that I was training with. And with the jujitsu, um, you know, when I started, 
you know, it was a little overwhelming at first. And I think a lot of, I don't know whether it's that way for guys as well, but for a lot of women, it is that way, you know, it's sort of the claustrophobia of it and the closeness and, and everything like that. But it just, I really could see the benefits of it and could see how it applied to uh, self-defense uh, situations and things like that. And I just, um, I just really, really fell in love with the whole art of it and how it works, the leverage is amazing to me. The strategic um, thinking is really good as well. So, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's incredible. But, um, you know, uh, when I first started, I, and I tell this story often, um, one of the things that happened was, uh, you know, they had a roll and I was rolling with somebody else and uh, they took the mount on me and it was, it was really super claustrophobic. And I just capped and I got up and I was like, I was almost sick because it was so overwhelming. And then after that, I started to realize how to get comfortable in that situation and to uh, work with it and be able to think and, and work my way through uh, those kinds of situations. Um, so, you know, it, it's, it's amazing how it changes you. Um, and I find it very transformative. And, you know, I was older when I started uh, than I, I guess a lot of people are. So I started at 44, 45, and, you know, it's been a great, a great activity for me. People I've met have been fabulous. Um, I love the Pedro Sauer schools. I think that they're just all uh, really top-notch and it's a wonderful culture to be in. That must have been, um, you must have been quite brave going in back then as well, because it, I don't know what it was like over uh, in the States, but here, 15 years ago, not not that well known what, you know, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu was or Gracie Jiu-Jitsu or, you know, yeah, not many schools around and stuff. Yeah, it was, it was very different. And, you know, back in those days, it was, there were very few women that, that actually did it. Um, and so, you know, we were always thrilled when another one would, would come in, you know, we try to convince them to stay. <laughs> as best we could, but, um, you know, uh, not, th not that the guys were not nice or anything like that. It was just, it's a, it's a different thing when you come into an environment that is almost all men and, you know, you're, you're kind of, all right, how do I fit into this and how do I work with it? You know? Um, and those are some of the barriers I think for women to do it is, as you say, it's become much more familiar um, and there are so many women out there that are doing some great things with it in sports, as well as, um, you know, uh, all of us that have been doing it have been getting it out there. And, and I think a lot of women have been seeing the value of it. So we're, you know, trying to take away those barriers to uh, convince women to come in and actually give it a shot. It, you know, it was surprising to me. I, I just never really pegged myself as a you know, martial artist kind of person. Um, but, you know, doing this, you know, I, I was kind of talking to somebody about it and I was like, oh yeah, no, I don't do martial arts. I do jujitsu. And they were like, no, you, you've been doing martial arts for 16 years now. <laughs> I don't think you can say that anymore. And I was like, oh yeah, you know, I guess you're right. <laughs> so, but, um, it's, you know, I just, um, as I said, I, get, I got so much encouragement and um, particularly from um, Master Sauer himself, I was really super lucky that the mm. 
school that I've trained in for so long is, is been owned directly by him and he teaches at it often. So he was just super in uh, kind of keeping me going and encouraging me. And, you know, it was that way, I think with all his students, but uh, I really appreciated it. And I appreciated the culture that he puts forth in all of his schools. So that was really good for me and really helpful. But uh, it was not, it was, you know, it was, it was definitely weird. And uh, sometimes, and, you know, people would be very surprised that uh, I was doing this. And, uh, you know, I, sometimes I would show up for tournaments and, uh, you know, you go to the registration desk and I'd, I'd walk up there and they go, okay, and where's the child that you're going to register? And I'd be like, no, 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 I'm, I'm registering. I'm, I'm, I'm a blue belt. And they were like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, they were so surprised, but it was, it was still a lot of fun. And, um, you know, I met some great people that helped me learn how to, uh, study this art and be a good student. And, uh, and that really, really helped as well. So, you know, a lot of support. And, and I think that that's one of the things you get a lot from the whole community is that trust and support that, that builds. It's really kind of nice. Um, but we did, and we also did some things like, you know, like I, I really tried hard to make sure when other women came into the school that they felt welcomed and that they knew where things were. And, you know, usually you'd meet people in the dressing room and kind of introduce yourself and, you know, make sure. And, and even now I, I have women that I'll text and say, are you coming to class? And, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing you and, and try to make sure that they know that they're, they're welcome and that there's a, a group that they can, they can work with. So those are, those are some of my goals. I'd, I'd love to see more women experience this, uh, uh, this art and how it can really transform and change your life. Do you think, what was the, what was the, you were saying sort of trying to get rid of the barriers as well for women to yeah. find it easier to get onto the mat. What would you, what do you think kind of the, obviously jiu-jitsu is a close art. Yeah. But what, what do you think are some of the barriers, especially for like other school owners and stuff that they could help break down easily, like quick fix, not quick fix? Yeah, I, I think one thing that really helps is, um, you know, for women, you know, a lot of women, they kind of, they might come, they might come to self-defense classes before they come to other types of classes. So having those and offering those is really good having uh, women that are teaching or in sort of leadership roles of some kind is really helpful as well. Um, but even if you don't have women that are at that level, just, just that they, they build that kind of camaraderie um, so that they feel like there's other people like them on the mat, you know, but a couple of other barriers I know for uh, a lot of women, it can sound really strange, but they're just very self-conscious. Um, and, you know, having, I, and that's one of the reasons why I really do like having a women's only class that's taught by a woman is that, that it kind of reduces that feeling of self-consciousness. Um, and, it, and it's self-conscious for different reasons. Um, you know, teenage girls in particular can be very self-conscious about themselves and, and it just kind of removes that feeling of, you know, I don't know quite how, to, how this all works. Um, I think that uh, another thing that I found really interesting that seemed to be a barrier for a lot of women, um, not so much for me, but some other women is just um, wearing a gi uh, can be 
a little over, you know, like the, that's like a formal step into this sort of martial art world. And they're like, you know, I'm not a fighter, but I'm here and I'm interested, mm. you know, so just to kind of, um, you know, in, in the class that I teach right now, which is really focused on self-defense, um, we don't wear geese, um, you know, and, um, you know, I just kind of work at making them feel really comfortable having someone that can show them the ropes and kind of educate them as to what's expected uh, or not expected. Um, I think for some women, it's, it's kind of overwhelming to just roll with anybody or just work with anybody. Um, and I always try to reassure the women that I work with that, you know, anything, any technique that I'm showing, if they're not comfortable with that idea yet, they can watch it and wait. Um, usually they'll come in and do it, but just giving them that control of saying, I'm not sure yet uh, can be helpful because it is such a close, uh, close contact kind of thing. Um, another thing that I do is uh, in the class that I teach is I really focus a lot on distance management. And we start out first with the idea of distance management of, you know, two arms links away, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but then I kind of move them into the idea of if you're very, very close there's a lot of safety in that grappling yeah. position as well. So once they kind of see the benefit of that and kind of see the differences, it, it usually works pretty quickly. Um, and you can see uh, the ones that are really taking to it, you know, their eyes just start lighting up with what they see and everything they do and show a couple of tricks and, uh, you know, and, and you're off to the races, you know, but um you know, it's, it, try to make it enjoyable, fun, kind of, um, I try to make it a little less formal than maybe some classes are, you know, that they, they feel just kind of relaxed, um, yeah. which I think is really important to learning anyway, is just to be a little relaxed and not tense or nervous, you know. So those are some things that I think you can do, um, you know, to help out. I know like our school in Florida, we have about I guess about a third of our students are women. Um, all of them take the co-ed class. We do have a, a women's only class that's self-defense oriented and, and stuff, but um, most, only a few take that actually. And uh, most of them do take the co-ed classes because I think they start to sort of filter in and feel comfortable. So it's a good, it can be a good uh, way for, for women to get involved. Um, and there are other schools that that have you know quite a large number of women you know like half which i think is great and I, that's certainly a goal for my school and i hope for other schools as well but um go for it. Yeah, very cool um another thing i think that's always good is you know a nice changing room is is really good <laughs> a good place um i've been to some schools um and, and not in our association, actually. And this was super many years ago, but, you know, I came in for a seminar and, um, you know, was kind of looking around for the place to change. And there was the men's locker room and they were like, okay, well, you can use this room. And they were literally taking coats out of a closet for me to change into, which was okay. I mean, you know, cause I was, I was fine with it, but, you know, I was thinking if you're coming in for the first time, that's a little yeah. uncomfortable. Um, you know, uh, so those kinds of things I think appeal, um, you know, besides just a really positive culture. Um, and as I said, for my classes, 
I really work on making sure this it's extremely positive for them and, and empowering. Um, so I think that those are some benefits they can start to see right away. Find it took because we kind of had this experience. That it took the it took um, us to have our first female training to attract more females training, and we kind of were consciously kind of talking about that. Robin and I a lot was we really need to get the first one, and then and it actually happened to be Bill's sister. <laughs> Caroline, who's watching live, I think, as well on uh, YouTube. So, uh, um, that she then that then created a spiral after that that meant that we did, and then it meant that we had um, in pretty much any class that you turned up to, there would be a, a woman training in that class. So that meant that any woman coming in already saw that it was possible, kind of thing. Did you find right. that? I mean, obviously, with you being an instructor as well, that kind of helps, I guess, as well. It really does. And I think that that does make a difference. And, you know, it's, um, you know, and, and some women are very comfortable training with men right away and don't have a problem with it. Some women are a little, as I said, more self-conscious about it. So it's nice to have that option when it's available. But I, I do agree to, with you. I think once you start to pull in a group, you know, it kind of feeds yeah. itself and, and that can be really helpful and positive as well. You know. Um, and, and they get excited about it and ready to go, just like everybody else. Yeah. You, uh, I, I need to go back to it because I'm, I'm fascinated with uh, one of the things you said earlier about the competition that you turned up to and they were looking for the child. Who, who are you competing against? You know, if they weren't expecting you to compete, were there other ladies that you were competing with or? There were some other ladies and, um, you know, on some occasions um, and I, sometimes there were and sometimes there weren't so mm -hmm. it would just kind of depend so a lot of times I would go and there would never be anyone to compete against mm -hmm. um, but I think it was partly my age you know because I'm kind of like a mom you know I am a mom but I think it was also just you know maybe just not that many women that were there and you know they just weren't really sure you know and I, I think it was just general surprise you know I don't I didn't really take it personally. I, I kind of thought it was funny, <laughs> you know. but um, one of the things that I did do was for a while is I switched over to, uh, I also took judo for quite a while and, and um, I switched over to uh, competing in judo just because of that situation. There were more often women competing in judo. So I was actually assured to get a match of some sort. And, you know, with the jujitsu sometimes, because I only did local stuff. Um, I didn't do any high level competing. Um, you know, it just kind of depended on who was there. And, um, you know, it was just a few people. I have seen now um, women that do compete regularly, they'll send out messages to see who else is competing in their rackets or encourage other women. Facebook has been tremendous, I think, for women in jiu-jitsu um, because they can kind of communicate uh, in groups across that and see and encourage each other. And um, I have a group that I do and uh, to kind of celebrate what women are doing. And um, I know that there are, you know, other groups as well that I'm, I'm you know, a member of that do the same thing. And uh, a lot of a lot of schools start to open women uh, host women's open mats, and so there's sort of that regional community that gets together, and you start to meet each other and stuff like that. But um, so that can be really helpful as well. So 
one of the things we always say with the you know with, with the guys training with each other you know leave the ego at the door and, and you yeah. do your best learning when there's no ego involved but something that Kristen said to us last week she said that when the ladies train together sometimes that, that the competition between ladies can get really quite fierce oh yeah oh yes and particularly if you're like you know, and, and I was lucky because when I moved over to Herndon, you know, Kristen was there and, and we could train together and learn from each other and stuff like that. And it was always great because she was, she's just awesome. Um, but it can get really intense. And particularly if you come from two different schools, you know, and you, you almost feel like everybody's watching you because you're the only two there and everybody wants to see how you do against somebody else. And yeah. it, I don't know. I never, I never really actually liked it. I was like, you know, when, when I'm ready to compete, I'd like to like to do it in a competition, not in class while I'm training. Mm. <laughs> and, um, you know, that's one of the things I've always loved about uh, Master Sauer's schools is uh, that idea of you're not competing against your training partners at school. You're actually learning from each other. And this is a learning environment, you know, or he'll call it a laboratory. Sometimes it's not about you know, dominating on the mat. And that was super helpful to me uh, as a student, you know, going through all that, um, you know, time after time. Um, and, I, and I always try to really push that. I, I do, uh, when I roll with people now, I generally ask them what they want to work on and try to feed them that. Or, you know, if they're not sure, we can kind of go back and forth. But I, I, um, I always let somebody try to work whatever it is they want to work first and, yeah. you know, then we can talk about it and, and move from there. And, and I've had some wonderful people that I've trained with that, that do the same thing for me. So it's super helpful. And, you know, it's, it's just a, it's, I really enjoy that collaborative side of things and, you know, try to get away from that competition side of things. But I agree with you. I, I think Kristen uh, and I both have experienced that where it's like, yeah, you know, <laughs> like, do we really have to deal with this right now? <laughs> it's like, I just, I really want to learn right now. <laughs> I don't want that performance pressure, pressure, you know, but, um, you know, so, but, you know, you can, it's, it's fun though, because you meet so many people and, and uh, the women, as I said, since we're a smaller group, we kind of tend to reach out to each other over uh, Facebook or different situations or when we come in for regional training or things like that, we try to stay in touch and, and it's kind of a nice thing. But um, so those are, those are some things that can really help with women training uh, in the schools. What do you, uh, what made you, I mean, I'm interested in this from anybody. It doesn't matter whether it's male or female, but sure. that sort of first thing that you thought, I want to compete. I'm going to compete. I'm going to, I'm going to step on there and step in front of everyone and put it all sort of all out there for everyone. Out there. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I think there were a couple of things. I was curious, you know, to see how I would do. I think, you know, I'd been training for, I was, I didn't start competing until I was a blue belt, which I think was kind of a mistake. I, I think if, if I'd started earlier, I would have even liked it more, but um, I just kind of wanted to see how it worked and how it would be. And uh, you know, experienced that but I also did have uh, a woman I had been talking to um, from another school and she had she had said uh, to me that she competed at least once a year and I asked her why and, and she because she said I really don't like to compete but I do it once a year 
And I said, why? And she said, well, that's the closest I can come to some kind of altercation that I might have out in the world and, you know, to deal with that, you know, sort of paralyzing fear that you have. And so that I think was kind of a more serious reason for me wanting to compete. But, um, you know, as I said, I, I didn't do it for super long. I did it while I was a blue belt um, and kind of moved on from that afterwards. But, um, you know, it was definitely really a lot of fun and very helpful for me. Um, And the same with the judo. I did, I, competed in judo a little bit longer and uh, really found it super helpful. Um, and I, I just enjoyed it. I, I was a competitive swimmer when I was a kid. So I think that there was a little bit of that in me that just likes to compete. So. <laughs> yeah, so. He fully understands that one. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm a little bit competitive. Actually, to be fair, jiu-jitsu is the one thing where I'm, less competitive than actually everywhere else and I have competed and I've you know a reason about I've competed in judo as well that was where sort of I started before jiu-jitsu was judo so yeah competing in that as well and and then it was fun to train judo and go to other academies having done jiu-jitsu um, <laughs> so that was yeah <laughs> yeah I I was told often by uh, my teacher in uh, judo to uh to not worry so much about the throws, just to somehow get to the ground and choke them. And I, <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> so, so that was helpful. Um, some of the things that I learned in judo were super helpful in jujitsu too. So, you know, um, but uh, yeah, it was, it was fun. It was definitely a fun, fun time. Um, but I, I did find after a while, you know, between a job and kids and uh, training and, running a school and teaching that um i just it, it's a lot of time mm. that i don't have the time right now to prepare for it and continue to do it so yeah yeah you've had that conversation with yourself haven't you pete I've, yeah exactly the same thing that obviously we we were we started the school and i was competing probably more when we did we have the school already when i was competing i can't remember now my early days yeah, so the early doors, yeah it was yeah, yeah. And exactly the same as you, I felt like I was having to be selfish for me to compete because mm-hmm. I get a little bit like that when I want to compete is that I, you know, I want to, I want to be, you know, I want to, I end up focusing on that and get a bit tunnel visioned on that. Right. And that I didn't feel like I was learning the breadth of mm-hmm. what I could be learning to help students more. And so I kind of made the decision after a while that actually, like you say, job and, trying to run the academy and trying to do other things as well that just yeah it's, it was too difficult to balance the two you know those things out um, yeah it's, it's a wonderful experience but I think you're right I mean there's so much more to jiu-jitsu and there's so much more that it offers um you know and I I there's you know I I'm trying to sort of organize my thoughts here to think exactly where to go with that but um I know for me, you know, it's just the social side of, of jujitsu has been super, right? It's given me a lot of confidence to do things that I didn't have the confidence to do. Um, and even, you know, and even from a self-defense perspective as a woman, um, you know, before I started jujitsu, you know, I was always kind of slightly afraid, you know, of being in bad situations and, uh, you know, always thought, well, you know, I can scream really loud 
I can maybe kick somebody and I can maybe run, um, but I don't really have any other tools to, uh, to handle that. And um, now I feel like I have a lot more tools and a better understanding of what's required in the situations. Um, and, you know, it gives me a lot more confidence. Um, and, and that's what I try to impart to a lot of women with self-defense is, is to empower them to have, I try to give a lot of tools, a lot of information um, and, and to, and some of it is not, it's not just jujitsu, but um, you know, to, to help them, um, you know, kind of have that toolbox, you know, there. And, but I think one of the things that's so great about jujitsu with self-defense is that, um, you know, it can be something very simple. Um, because there's a lot of situations that women in particular, but I'm sure everyone finds themselves in that it, you know, you need to create a little space or it's a little uncomfortable, but it's not like, you know, I need to elbow and check the person and, you know, take them to the ground and destroy them. I just need to, uh, I just need to, to get them off me and to, um, to get home safely. And um, I think that jujitsu has that great ability as a self-defense uh, art to, you can either be very low key in what you need to do, or you can uh, escalate it up if, if the situation warrants it. And that's something that I found was missing from a lot of the uh, self-defense uh, kinds of courses that I used. Um, they were or, or looked at and, and started thinking about is they looked a lot at um, and they handled very well you're being violently attacked and you need to violently yeah. respond and, it, and they did a great job with that and and so does jujitsu um, but jujitsu addressed a lot of situations that I think a lot of women experience a lot where they feel harassed yeah. or you know they have to make certain things, you know, make their boundaries clear and it can be very helpful in uh, underscoring that. Um, so that's one, one of the things I really like about teaching it is I'll use it to kind of elevate that and show that you can use it in a lot of different ways. And, and I've used it in that regard myself in some situations and heard from other women that have done the same. That's the, uh, the example we, we generally give when we're in class, isn't it? So that kind of your drunk uncle that's maybe getting a bit friendly yeah, being, yeah. Or, yeah. Or, or being you know just being an ass basically right that, that doesn't doesn't have the same level of response as someone that's trying to like mug you with a knife exactly and you just you're going to respond a little differently yeah. and it, it makes a huge difference and i know um you know the the other thing about training it and training it and drilling it and everything like that, as you know, is you start to create that muscle memory. And so you just kind of respond mm -hmm. in a way that's situationally appropriate. And I think that that's really good about it. Um, I know one time I had a, a guy that wanted to give me a big hug and I, I, I really just didn't want that. And, you know, I think what my brain thought was, I really don't want to be hugged. Um, and what my body did was just to create space and just to push off and step back. And it really surprised the guy. And, and I looked at him and I said, don't do that. This is, you know, just don't do it. And I don't know if, you know, it would have been the same if he was trying to hug me and I was like, oh, don't do that. Yeah. You know, it made it, it really emphasized what I meant. And, you know, I, 
and it, and it really just pushed off like you do with the front bear hug defense with master text. If, you know, as you guys know, I'm, I'm really glad that it was at work and I'm, I'm actually really glad that I didn't do the whole front text front bear hug defense because I probably would have been fired, but uh, <laughs> no, it would have, it would have been fun to throw him. but, <laughs> but uh, you know, it, I, you know, my, my body just kind of reacted in the way that was appropriate. And I think that that's one thing that jujitsu does teach really well. Um, so I, I incorporate a lot of that in, in what I'm teaching uh, with self-defense. I'm just trying to think, what, what, is, it, is it aisles in a library? Is it aisles that they call the different the rows? It'd be like, clean up in aisle five, please. <laughs> that's right. Return your book. <laughs> <laughs> this this has just occurred to me with you saying that do you think it's it is that it's marrying so jujitsu for you in that situation kind of married up that what your head was saying with what yeah. your body was capable of doing but only really because you knew that structure from jujitsu yeah i mean because it because I, I don't know if this makes sense but it was like i thought it in my head you know, well, what I thought in my head was, I don't want this guy to hug me. Mm. And my body responded with, okay, he's not going to hug you. Um, and this is what we're going to do. It wasn't like my body said, do the first part of the rear bear, uh, the front bear hug defense and push away and step back and get your base and say, don't do that. You know, that all just kind of came very naturally. And it, it really kind of surprised me in a way, I mean, I, I think I was just as surprised as he was um, in a way because I didn't, I just didn't expect that I would react quite that way, but it, it really, it has given me a lot of confidence. I mean, I know it's, it's kind of a funny story and it's, it's, it was very low key, but I do think that that is one thing that you get, you gain is that confidence and that muscle memory that you develop and, mm. and your body will start to react before, you know, it, it saves you time the situation so it's not like this has happened now i have to think what to do and then i have to do it it is this has happened and i'm Dude. responding right away how so. long have you been training at that point kathy for you know for, for for you to have the confidence you know to do that at what point does that confidence come you know because i think a lot of people start training and and there's so many opportunities for them to, to doubt jujitsu you know when they're training yeah. class but you know, you've got some live real life examples there of where it did work. Yeah, I, that's a great question. I, I was a purple belt at the time. Um, so I, I guess I'd been training about seven or eight years. Um, and I, I know I sound vague about that. I, you know, I really didn't pay attention to when I started and I didn't say, okay, this is the date I started or anything like that. So I'm always a little bit like, okay, when did things happen? Or, you know, it was just sort of your life was going on and you, you forget but, um, and then you look back and you're like, holy cow, I've been doing this for 16 years now. <laughs> but, um, you know, um, and I don't intend on stopping for another 40, but, you know, um, I think for different people to, at different times, I mean, but I've, I have had stories where um, one of my um, students and good friends who, uh, taught some of the women's self-defense that we teach um, when she was uh, overseas in Africa for a job. Uh, she was teaching it to some nurses that were there and she taught the um, wrist escape um, 
you know, simple wrist escape. Anyway, uh, at some time later, either that day or shortly after, one of her students was uh, walking by a soccer game and I guess a guy grabbed her by the wrist and it was, I think, a fairly intense situation. And she did that technique and was able to walk away right away. Mm. So, you know, it's hard to say when that confidence comes, but I agree with you. I know, like for me, it was kind of this long period where you know, I always kind of thought of myself as I'm uncomfortable in certain situations or worried about my safety in certain situations. And then, you know, after a while, there was a confidence of, okay, I, I feel better now, you know, and I think it can be a little bit longer for some people and maybe shorter for others. Um, but I do think that the fact that you, you know, I, I think you can never know what's going to happen in any alteration, I think for any of us, right? Yeah. Um, you know, but I think that I feel anyway, as I said, before I started this, I had maybe three things to, to try uh, to get out of a situation and be able to go home safely. Um, now I feel like I've got a lot more that I can bring to bear um, to that situation and respond to it. So um, to me, it's a little bit like magic, but I think that, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to oversell it, but I do think that it really does change how you, you think and how you work and, you know, how your body and your mind work together. And um, you just kind of have a different approach. Um, and to me, that is like one of the most wonderful and empowering things that can be done for women in particular, you know, this is sort of my bent, but I think it's for everyone um, that there is, I just, I, I cannot say enough how transformative it can be for a lot of people. I don't think you're, I, I think it's almost too much to say <clears throat> that it is like magic. <laughs> it is like, you know, that it is, because I don't think it, it's really hard to describe, isn't it? But sort of you mentioned it, that you sort of went in, did a bit of kickboxing, and then was like, oh, actually, no, this jujitsu thing. And to be fair, kind of the same thing, like, you know, uh, Robin probably goes back and does some of the other stuff a bit more, but I was doing judo, Thai boxing, kickboxing, sombo, and then I started doing judo and uh, jiu-jitsu, and I started going, okay, forget all that stuff. I need, I'm, I want to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, because I got, you know, just immobilized by a black belt on my first ever class, and I thought, yeah. I'm a brown belt in judo. I'll be fine. I'll survive, and I really didn't survive. Um, you know, and yeah. <laughs> just that that thing that everyone says, that, they, that first experience of jiu-jitsu where – you know you're rolling and it just it got worse every time I moved it got worse and it got worse and it got worse and then I had to tap but luckily I knew how to tap because of judo and then I thought right. no, that, that must have been a mistake I'll, I'll go I, I must have made a couple of silly mistakes that's okay I'll, I'll survive this time no and you know it was like that for an hour and then I suddenly I was like, I'm like oh, hour, well. years yeah. 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 and then it's like well if someone can do that to me that easily how can I not learn that Right. I thought right. I was safe. I was quite a good, you know, not a great kickboxer, but I could kickbox and I could, you know, I thought I could strike and I could, you know, throw and I thought I'll be fine. Wrong. Yeah, I, I really loved it. I, you know, and I know a lot of people that continue to train in a lot of different disciplines and I'm really impressed with that, but I, I just felt like I had to really narrow in. And um, the other thing that I did for a long time was Krav Maga. And um, which was a lot of fun too, and and really good for me in a lot of ways. 
Um, but one of the things I started noticing was after, you know, through a course of time in it, that, you know, we get to the ground portion of it. And the things that I was learning in jujitsu, I was sort of incorporating in the, in the groundwork of Krav Maga. And, you know, these big guys, you know, I was able to, you know, I, I wasn't submitting them because they were super big and strong, but I was getting out of things and I was getting away and I was stepping away. And, and to me, that was a really powerful thing. And, um, you know, they would laugh because they were like, yeah, you know, try, try to keep her down on the ground. It's just not going to happen. And, <laughs> and, and, you know, that was kind of fun too. But um, yeah, I, I just felt like for me, um, I really wanted to dig in and focus in on jujitsu and, and focus on the self-defense aspects of it and, and what it had to offer. And, and, and uh, you know, as time has gone on, it's been my major focus. And it's just, as, just like you, I was interested, I was intrigued and I was like, you know, you're always learning something and there's always a challenge and there's always someone that's got something that you haven't seen quite that way before and you're learning from them. And I just, I just was fascinated. And so all my extra time goes to, to learning that. And the thing that always gets me, Kathy, I don't know if you find the same, but you can never catch up. So you, you think, oh, there's, there's got to be so much you can learn and then they'll be the same. But, you know, even those people that are like senior ranks and have been doing it for years and years and they're still progressing, they're still getting better. And it just, it feels like there's no end to it, which is what is, um, you know, for somebody that likes to complete a game, I want to complete jujitsu, but it's that challenge. It's, I know it's never going to happen. <laughs> yeah, it, it is so wonderful. You know, it's it's... You know, it's just something you do for it's a lifelong journey for so many of us. And, um, you know, I agree with you. I, you know, I, I'm always uh, struck by the saying, and I know you guys have heard it often, you know, just to always be a white belt when you step on the mat. And so many people in our association, in particular, but uh, throughout jujitsu, kind of keep that philosophy. And I always try to remember that myself um, because you know, I'm always learning something. And, you know, just the other day, it was, it was kind of funny because um, Master Sauer was up in class and he was showing uh, in the basic class um, some uh, finer details of uh, the trap and roll or the bump and roll, uh, whichever way you call it. And, you know, he was doing some things that I was like, wow, I, I'm sure he's has shown me this before. I'm sure he's taught me this before, but I never saw it quite in this way. And it just is making a huge difference here. And, um, you know, that was just an incredible, and, you know, that those moments are always there. Mm. And I, I love it, you know. I'm always amazed at how he, he still teaches to the, um, to the fundamentals and the tradition mm -hmm. so it's not like changing moves but yet he's super innovative inside mm -hmm. those fundamental moves it just right blows my mind yeah and you know it's you know because i think that there's always that tendency when uh people do the first year of jiu-jitsu and they get their blue belt and they're like okay i i've done the fundamental curriculum i know it now what and you're like, oh, no, 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 we still do. <laughs> and I and I always tell people, it's like, I'm a black belt and I still feel like I'm starting on those fundamentals. And, 
you know, I get, I've gotten really fascinated with the most basic movements we have, you know, standing in base, shrimping, uh, forward roll or backward roll, you know, just these uh, teeter totter and just how applicable they are in different situations. Mm. Um, and that to me is just, I'm just, <laughs> I'm entranced, um, you know, so I, I, I know everybody's like, you know, I'm <laughs> fixated on standing in base, but um, you know, it's, it's, it, it really is amazing how these very simple or what we think of as simple moves can be utilized in so many different ways. And I love the, I love the 88 uh, moves that uh, are distilled um, in our fundamentals and, and I think fundamentals is a good way to think of it instead of basic or, yeah. you know, the beginner or anything like that, because this is, this is the core of what you do. And, and um, I think that that's something that we all got to keep in mind all the time. I just, uh, are you, I, I'm sure you do, especially from what you've just said, but yeah, every time we go through the rotation and you teach it and, I'll teach it and see something or I'll do something and go, oh, oh yeah, I'd like kind of forgot, not forgotten or, oh, I didn't know that before or Robin will teach it and I'll watch it and go, oh, I never thought about that bit of the move like that way before or it's just, yeah, it's just, even just that is never ending, let alone when right. you make move blue to purple and then you go, you know, analysing all of the self-defence moves and... Or the way they all connect together, you know? Yeah. And um, that's to me, you know, I don't know, for me, you know, I like to keep things simple. And so if I can see the same movement in a series of different situations or positions, then it can help me. Yeah. Um, you know, because it's the no, same movement. And, uh, you know, but, <laughs> but you take that even to a high level, you know, where you have someone like David Porter who will take the uh, Darce choke and he can basically accomplish it from anywhere you know, because he so fundamentally understands that choke, you know, and, and, you know, and of course, of course, Master Sauer is consummate at that. And you see it all the time in what he's doing, you know, it's somehow or another, there's that choke or that arm bar there that it, <laughs> where it came from is amazing. But, um, but, you know, and, and I think that that's something, you know, that, that we all love that and, you know, it's so strategic, as you know. Um, so what's the, uh, what's the Kathy Ortiz signature move then? What, what do you accomplish from anywhere? <laughs> um, you know, I like a lot of series of things and I like to think of things in terms of concepts. Um, you know, so as I said, you know, right now, looking at standing in base and ways that you can utilize that from different positions is really interesting to me. Um, but, you know, I do really love throws and um, I do really like to utilize those a lot in what I'm doing. So I like to start standing. Um, but um, I don't know. I, I try to be very, very open to what is being offered while, we're, while I'm rolling with somebody and where something will lead and, and go. I don't know that I have a signature move. <laughs> It's for, it's for a game of top trumps that I'm, uh, I'm thinking of making of all of the Pedro Sauer black belts. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Kathy, <laughs> um, one thing I wanted to ask you, if I can, is 
sure. something you mentioned earlier about like all of the different competing kind of commitments and how things get busy. Um, so throughout your your training jiu-jitsu have you been like consistent and regular throughout or was there ever a times where you 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 know for other reasons you were dragged away from the mats and the reason I ask is you know we've had some fantastic people that have mm-hmm. come gone and they they kind of like fleet backwards and forwards mm-hmm. to jiu-jitsu and, and I'd love to be able to tell them some stories or, or messages of like don't give up you know keep coming back when you can because you do eventually get there and it does get better yeah I agree with you. It does. It does get better. Um, yeah, I, you know, I mean, I know that I had periods where I was training an awful lot um, because I was able to. Um, so a lot of a lot of times, uh, you know, if I'm not able to get to the mat, it's because I've got some other commitments. Um, but, you know, I might miss a week here or there. Um, but I, I try to make sure that I'm in at least a little bit each week mm-hmm. um and i think about it all the time if i'm not there i'm thinking about it i i don't know <laughs> you guys are obsessed that way but <laughs> it's, it's... i just realized i asked that question about other people and we've all had a year off the mat so <laughs> yeah and but you thought about it a lot <laughs> oh yeah i wonder if it thinks about me too <laughs> and you know it you know and i i missed a good bit as well and it, it was kind of it was kind of an interesting experience in my life to, to be gone for months on end um, because I know that there's several people that do do that. Um, and we do have some students and um, I know some black belts because of their work that, you know, they have to go away for many months at a time and then come back. And, um, you know, I agree with you, just keep encouraging them that it is gonna get better. Um, one of the things that Master Sauer used to say to me a lot, um, a whole lot, um, which might tell you something is um, he would say, you know, you know, I, w- I would get frustrated with trying to accomplish a technique or learn it, you know, or execute it in rolling. And he would say to me, he'd say, you know, don't worry, he, you know, you know, what's hard today will be easy tomorrow. Yeah. And just that idea of keeping, keep showing up, keep coming, keep trying, keep learning. And, you know, I got um, I think some people get very frustrated and they expect like, uh, particularly when you're sort of in those middle years of training, you know, well, I'm a blue belt or I'm a purple belt. So I should, I should be able to do this. Yeah. And what I found after a lot, cause I thought that too. And, you know, you're always sort of comparing yourself with people that advance more quickly or, or more athletic or, or anything like that. Um, but after a while, what I started to realize was that that just didn't really matter. What mattered was to keep coming and to take the pressure off myself to do everything perfectly all the time. And I found once I did that, I ironically got a lot better (laughs) so that, you know, and I, I think that for a lot of people, um, that that's something to, to think about and to be aware of is that, you know, giving yourself permission to fail mm. um, means that you're going to learn something. Um, and I think that, that that is, if you can approach it that way, I haven't lost. I'm not stupid. I'm not, you know, just, I can't do this, but I, what can I learn from this? You know, I, you know, ended up, you know, getting caught in that armbar again. So what, 
what was happening that allowed my arm to get stretched out and, and in that position. And you can only do that by tapping and tapping a lot. Coincidentally, I, I also think with tapping, I think it's really good. And I think it's actually really good for women um, in the sense of you, you can stop something when you want to. And you can say, all right, we're gonna stop. I'm gonna take a breather, I'm gonna take a break and, or maybe I'm gonna go work with somebody else or whatever it is, but I can stop this. And I think, you know, getting that, I think tapping is such a great way of somebody having control over a situation. You know, um, I don't think, I don't know. I, I don't think of tapping as losing. I think of tapping as, all right, I need to stop. I need to figure this out or I need to start over again and, and try again. And, and, you know, it's, it's part of the learning process. So, um, but I think for women, that's particularly good. And it really underscores times in our lives when we need to say to people back up, you know, mm. <laughs> you, need to, yeah. you need to back up. I don't need to do this because I thought maybe it was a good idea or whatever. I don't think it is now. So no. <laughs> Yeah, we've talked about it a couple of times over the last couple of weeks as well about that. Um, uh, Dave Porter first mentioned it actually, and then um, yeah, we talked about it last week and that that idea that as well that you don't have to roll and it applies to both you know both sexes. You don't have to roll with someone you don't feel comfortable rolling with, right? And oh, for sure. How do you do you address that specifically or anything when you're teaching classes or do you? Yes. How, how do you introduce that? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I'll, I'll tell women, um, first of all, in my class, you know, a lot of times they come and they have a partner with them, you know, somebody, a friend or whatever, but sometimes not, but I, I let them know, you know, if you're uncomfortable with a technique that we're teaching, um, for example, one of the early techniques I'll often teach is, um, you know, a, a trap and roll it's, mm. it's a very powerful move for women. Um, you know, but a lot of women find it very overwhelming. Um, so they might want to wait and watch it. Um, sometimes I'll kind of convince them to let, let them do it with me, you know, and kind of pull them in. Um, but I, I've always encouraged women, if you're in, uh, the co-ed classes and you're, you know, you don't, you know, you don't want to roll with somebody for, for whatever reason, you really don't have to, you can just say no. Um, and I've, I've certainly done that myself um, quite a few times, you know, and um, and not because somebody's a bad person or whatever it is, but it's just it's just uh, you know, or you just you may just need a breather for a minute, and that's okay too, um, you know. That one of the things I try to encourage the women that I work with is this idea that this is self-paced, you know, mm. you you do not have to get your blue belt by a year after this. And, you know, you can miss practices if you need to, for whatever reason, you know, life happens or you're ill or you got to take care of something else. You know, it's not like, it's not like a sport where, you know, you have to go to practice Monday and Wednesday so that you can play the game on Saturday. Mm. It's more, it's better for you if you can come in more times um, and you're going to learn more, but if you can't, then you can still continue to learn, but at a slower pace, and that is okay. Um, there's no um, like benchmark that you have to meet at a specific time, you know. And 
you know, I, my main goal in life is to continue to do this for a very long time. I started it when I was older. And one of the things I have to really think a lot about is injury. And so I'm very careful um, in that regard, because I, you know, if, if I get injured, it's going to be a long time to heal. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I don't want to get injured. I'm, I'm very careful on protecting myself, tapping early and moving forward with that, because I would like to do this for, you know, another 30, 35 years or so. And so, you know, um, I, I have to take that in, into mind and, you know, and maybe have a, a little bit more of a sense of mortality than some of the younger people who train, you know, because nothing can hurt them. You know, I have four kids that are in their twenties, so I, I can kind of, I do understand it, <laughs> but, um, you know, um, you know, I think that that's something to really consider. And, and, and that's another thing that I know I keep referring back to master sour a lot, but it's just, you know, he's got such wisdom on these things. And I, I don't know if you've ever noticed with the way that he teaches, but he always will talk about how to prevent things first, you know, how to avoid, you know, like even if it's in, you're in someone's guard and you're getting ready to pass guard, you know, how to avoid them getting their feet on your hips and, you know, manipulating you in ways and things like that, or how to avoid getting swept and having that good posture. So you prevent first. And then as you're doing whatever move it is, you're protecting yourself. You know, you're not extending your arms. You're not, you know, giving people uh, an opportunity to choke you. Um, and then at the end you prevail with it. And so, and this is something I actually use as a tagline for my school and for other things that I do that you prevent, protect, and then prevail. Mm -hmm. um, and then straight really from Master Sauer in the sense that you know, he's always emphasizing how you protect your wrists and your arms and your neck and your knees and, and everything else. And, you know, that you should train in a way that, that you're not going to hurt yourself so that you can come back and train the next day. And I think that that's a really great message. Um, I didn't mean to go on and on, but um, to me, that was really super important uh, in finding a home in, in jujitsu was that kind of mentality. But not only, I remember him saying as well, not, not only protect yourself, but I remember him saying once, I think in Iceland, about like training like you're training with your small daughter. Exactly. You, know, you exactly. don't want to hurt your training partners either. You know, you have a responsibility. You can't do jujitsu on your own. So, exactly. <laughs> as, as we found out. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's very challenging. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah it's. I, and I agree with you on that. And, and that certainly is the other aspect to this. And, and he does really emphasize that a lot. And, and I think it goes back to that idea of being collaborative when you're training together uh, and you're helping each other. And, and I actually will do that a lot when I roll with people. I'll, um, you know, usually they, usually they realize it or, but we'll roll and I'll let them tap me with something. And then we'll roll and I'll catch them in something. And then, you know, we'll go back and forth kind of, mm -hmm. um, because I think that that's a really good way to learn and it kind of relaxes the situation. Um, so that, you know, it's like, you got to tap. So now you can relax and, and let's, uh, let's get down to business and really learn something here. Yeah. Like your move, my move, your move, my move. It's right. Right. And that's when you start to see the strings start to emerge, right? Mm -hmm. how exactly. Exactly. So, you know, that's always a lot of fun.
And uh, I do have to say that when um, when they when Master Sale talks about training, like you're training with your six year old daughter, I wish someone would tell my six year old daughter not to give me an. Absolute hate. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> with the small ones, it's the arm out bear hug from the front defence. And they don't just place their forearm on your throat. It's a. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's like, right. No, no striking. Just, just, you just squeeze it in there. Yeah. Push your way. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Be very careful. <laughs> the frame, not a throat punch. Yeah. 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 I had a um, girl in one of my self-defense classes, and she's she's a teenager, and she was kind of very tentative about some of the moves and, and um, I was trying to encourage her to, to be a little bit more, you know, it's okay, just go ahead. And she's, she looked and she goes, I just, I just don't want to hurt any of you guys. <laughs> I was like, thank you, <laughs> but, but it's okay. <laughs> and then, you know, I'm ready for this and it's not going to hurt. So. <laughs> With the, um, I change the gear slightly to, the women's self-defense program stuff that you're that you're working on do you find i mean I, again i said this last week i found first of all with jiu-jitsu weirdly that i was okay doing kickboxing and kicking and punching people but actually simulating something that would break someone's wrist was slightly shocking to me the first time that i saw it i was like oh that's bad and then i thought well hang on a second you're used to because i think because of the sport aspect of kickboxing right rather than it being right. a, being that's real that person's pushed you you've now you know mm -hmm. potentially if you needed to broken their wrist mm -hmm. um but do you, do you think and i think this is a british thing as well i think there's a people need permission to do that sort of thing it takes a while for them to get that idea do you find that's greater in the women's self-defense program that maybe that like you were saying just then that permission to actually do the move you know yeah, I, I think that that does take some time. And I, I agree with you on that. It's just, you know, we're, you know, women, at least culturally, and I'll speak mainly for the United States, though, I think it's probably very similar in Britain. You know, we're taught to be very helpful, very nice, make everyone feel comfortable. Um, you know, that's, it just kind of is in the culture. And so the idea of actually, you know, hurting somebody or, in, or even invading their space or having someone invade our space is a little bit, um, you know, overwhelming at first. You have to get used to it. And I, I think that that's the other thing that's kind of nice about it is that you could, you know, as self-defense, you can say, yeah, I might have to break your wrist, but mainly maybe I just need to twist my wrist and have my base a certain way so that, so that you're letting go of me and I'm being able to, to, create some distance. Um, you know, I don't necessarily, you know, if you will use standing in base as a, as a, as an example, um, if, if I'm sitting somewhere and someone's approaching me, standing up in base is a good thing to do because then we're sort of on a more equal playing ground and I can manage the distance a little bit better. I can just simply stand in base when somebody's very, very far away or I could kick them in the knee while I'm standing in base if they're closer and I need them to, to step back. Um, so I've got, you know, and there's more that you can do with that as well down the road, but um, that make it even more explosive or violent. And it, but it does take a little bit of time 
for women to get used to that and to give themselves permissions really to protect themselves. Um, you know, one of the things that I always ask, particularly older women, um, is, you know, if you're, if you, if you're a mom and your child is threatened, what will you do? And, you know, the overwhelming response is anything. I will do anything to protect my child. Um, but not necessarily yourself. And I think that you have to kind of train your mind and learn to say, no, I, I have a right to protect myself as well. Um, just like I would protect somebody I really care about. Um, and, I, and I'm sure men feel this way too, but uh, you know, it's, it, it is always surprising to me. Um, but yeah, that it does take a little bit of getting used to. Um, you know, we focus in self-defense on the, this idea that you're not fighting. You know, we're not, we're not going in the ring to have a fight. That's not what the object of this is. The object is to get away and to get away as safely as you can um, and with as, you know, minimal damage as you can, um, depending on the situation. So a lot of what I focus on initially, as I said, I'll do um, a series with standing in base which starts with people very far away and then you get closer into situations and actually teach something at the end, which is uh, standing in base from guard, um, you know, so they can see the application of this one move. Um, coincidentally, one of the things that women really like about that move, and I don't know if this is a drill you guys have done, um, but it is really powerful for women is that when you're standing in base, if you have somebody lean on your shoulder, uh, you can still stand in base, yeah. even though they're trying to hold you down. And I think um, that's something that's very, it, for me, it, it convinces a lot of women that I work with how effective this is. And in particular, when they're trying to hold me down and they can't, you know, um, because they're really trying or the same with the wrist grab, you know, not only just doing the move and escaping it themselves, but actually trying to, uh, trying to do it to somebody else. And, you know, I'm like, just really hold my wrist. Just don't, don't let go. And, you know, they're always kind of impressed with that, you know, so it, it can be really effective um, to show them, you know, the efficacy of what they're doing. I'm not sure if I really answered your question. Yeah, it's just, it's interesting. It's, it's come up a couple of times now that, that, people having to give themselves that permission to protect themselves and that sovereignty over your own mm -hmm. space and body and being and coming around to that idea that you actually know you do have a right to that. And that you're yeah. worth defending, right? Yeah, that you're worth defending. And that weird cultural thing that's slipped in that I, I don't know how it sort of occurred, but that, yeah, that, that's not always the case. Right. Or that someone else is, you know, going to defend you, I guess, would be part of that kind of idea, which I, maybe I'm dating myself to, for an older generation. But I think that, um, you know, practicing, you know, and I actually watched the, um, the uh, interview you guys did with uh, Kristen last week, which was great. And she was so articulate, had so many great things to say. But one of the things that really struck me was that idea of, you know, when you're walking, you know, to walk with confidence, but to also say no to people if they start to approach you, you know, no, no, thank you. Mm -hmm. um, that takes some time. That's something that we actually practice in class. And I, I give it to them as homework to practice as well. Um, 
back in the day and you know right now you can't really do it because things are shut down but i don't know in in america we have in malls a lot those sort of the center aisle of the mall would be where people would sell a lot of things and the salespeople can be very aggressive in trying to get your attention and so that's that's a great exercise because it's a very it's a very low stakes kind of situation but if you can walk through and say no thank you and keep walking because if you stop even if you say no thank you they're gonna they're gonna try to get you to buy something but if you can just keep walking and say no thank you it's it, it can help you practice that you know but um it's it's funny you know i that's one of the things with my two i have two daughters i have two daughters and two sons so um you know i get to, i get to teach both uh some different things um you know but uh with the daughters a lot of a lot of what we would do at home is practice how to say no to people you know like how to say no if somebody's asking you out and you don't want to go out with them you know that kind of thing it's you know it's it's not an easy situation to be in socially uh, for a lot of women and they feel very uncomfortable. They feel bad, you know, um, you know, you shouldn't, an elevator opens and you don't have a good feeling about the person inside the elevator. You shouldn't feel bad to just say, uh, nope and walk away. I mean, mm. why, why do you feel, you know, like that's why? a bad thing to do, you know? Um, you know, so so that those kind of things are sort of social things that you need to practice. Um, situational awareness again. You know, a lot of times people will say that they'll say, "Yeah, self defense is ninety nine percent or ninety five percent or whatever it is." Uh, situational awareness. Um, so you should always be situationally aware. And I'm like, okay, so what does that mean? How do you practice that? Um, and how do you practice it in situations that aren't dangerous, you know? Um, so, you know, I've done a lot of research on it and found a lot of, actually a lot of good support for it. But um, one of the things that you can do is, um, you know, take a walk in the day on a pretty day and notice the things around you. Or, you know, um, if you're artistic, draw things, you know, anything that kind of connects you to where you can sort of sense how you're responding to things can be really helpful uh, for, for heightening that sense of situational awareness that we all have or that, that instinct that we have that something's not quite right, yeah. um, which is a good, a good uh, gut feeling to follow at all times, you know. I think what you were saying as well is, you know, trusting that gut, what does it matter if you're wrong, but you take the evasive action yeah. That, that you could take anyway. Why wait to be proved correct? <laughs> exactly. And I mean, the thing is like with jujitsu and, you know, you know, with what we teach, it's, it doesn't mean, you know, I'm in a park, I see someone sort of walking towards me and, you know, it's not like I'm going to leap up and kind of go into fight mode and go, why are you coming now near me? You know, I'm just standing up and I'm, not escalating the situation at all, but I'm prepared and I'm starting to move or, you know, be aware or track where somebody is. Um, and, you know, they may just kind of keep on their way and it's all good, you know, or I may need to exit the situation as in the best way I can. Um, another thing that I teach a lot uh, in my classes early on is posture. 
um, which I know sounds weird, but uh, you know, the, the posture that we learn, but to actually stand in base, a good base in posture where you're, you know, your back is relaxed, but you're, you kind of do that, uh, engage your core with the pelvis tilt and have your knees kind of soft so that they don't lock. Um, you can do that at any time while you're outside and it's not, people are not going to be aware of what you're doing. Yeah. It's not, you know, it's not an aggressive posture or stance. It's just one that is very effective to defend yourself and uh, to make yourself more difficult to, you know, to deal with if somebody has ill intention. I think it's also quite good. We do it with the kids as well, don't we, Pete? The, um, and Bill, sorry, Bill. Um, <laughs> well, get the kids to actually, you know, when they're talking or when someone's having a go at them to stand in an assertive kind of manner and not be kind of fiddling with their, you know, their belt or looking down and wiggling their arms and stuff. And I think that's kind of, that works for the adults too, isn't it? You know, you, you look a little bit more, you know, engaged. Yeah, you do. And, and they've, there are actually studies on this, um, um, not to go too deeply into them, but, you know, they have, um, you know, law enforcement and a lot of different uh, security specialists have interviewed uh, criminals about what they look for when they're, mm. you know, seeing, or they'll, you know, see films of people walking by or things like that. And that's one thing is that confident walk, that awareness, like you see somebody, you know, someone that has bad intent, they would like to be invisible um, as long as possible. They're trying to take control away from you. Yeah. Um, for whatever reason, you know, um, and you know, I think that be, having that awareness just makes a huge difference um, in deterring people from approaching you in a way that's that's not so good. Um, I can recommend. I know you guys are on lockdown, but I and I don't know if you've gotten if you've heard. I know with the uh, Sarah Everard case going on, if you've heard from people that are concerned or afraid I can I can only imagine um, but since you're in lockdown I, you know I would actually being a librarian I would recommend two books um, one is um, Get ready. You, and I'll, I'll, I can put them in the chat for you later too but the new superpower for women by Steve Cardian is, is a really good book um, and also the gift of fear by Gavin de Becker um, is very good um, there is, you know, there is some depictions of violence in it. So for younger women, you know, I would say if, you know, just kind of be aware of that, you know, I, my daughters read it when they were in high school and, and I was perfectly fine with that. So, I, you know, but, you know, different people feel different ways, but I, I do recommend both those books. Um, I find them very valuable and pull a lot of information out of them, but um, they're super helpful. I'll, um, I'll, I'll find them and I'll find a um, I'll find the Amazon link to put them in the show notes as well for the YouTube channel and for yeah and I, it goes on iTunes and stuff so I'll, yeah I'll, I'll put those down. I was going to ask you, Kathy. You know, I think you know we're experiencing it. I mentioned it last week to Kristen, but you know it, it doesn't. You know, women getting attacked tends to not be a story that makes it to mainstream media very often, and you only right. get the really bad scenarios that that tend to make it there, and when they do tends to create a bit of a media frenzy. But I get the impression in America that it's a little bit more kind of like mainstream. I think that gets a bit more press. And I think, 
you know, the marketing from the Gracie Academy, you know, you know stay mm -hmm. safe, protect yourself, defend yourself. You see a lot of videos from martial arts schools, you know, people jumping out from behind cars and abducting people. Do you find that people that come, or females that come to, to, to your jiu-jitsu school, they're, they're doing it of their own accord, or is it because dad wants me to before I go to college, or, you know, what's the split? What's the... Yeah, I mean, you know, I I will typically, you know, offer something in the summer to, for, specifically for um, girls that are going to college, because um, there's some specific situations for that, and as you know, you know, it, uh, it can be a real dangerous time for many young women. Um, so it's, it's nice to give them some knowledge, some information, some tools that they might consider using. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't want to ever sound like I'm saying, well, you should do this or, you know, you know, or somebody should have done this or whatever, because that's, that's not the situation. I mean, what I'm really focused on is here's some things to consider. Here's some ways to be um, that might be helpful to you and, you know, take it and run with it and, you know, know, be aware that these are situations that you could come across. Um, so there is, there is that where, uh, where you'll find uh, some women have come in because their dad or their boyfriend or their husband or whoever has encouraged them to, um, to go to college or because of, you know, maybe they, have a job where they leave into a, you know, parking garage late at night or something like that. I think most women experience some kind of feeling of discomfort or um, fear um, on a daily basis. Um, and a lot of times they almost tune it out because it's so pervasive. You know, it's like, I just know I can't go running down this path at this time because I'm a woman, you know, my brother can do it, but I can't do it. So you, so you do have some that are encouraged to come in by either friends or family um, for specific situations like college. Uh, you also have a lot of women that come in because there actually are survivors of situations um, and they kind of you know, realize that they need something more and they need help, uh, which, is, which is wonderful that they're seeking it out and their bravery is, is impressive. Um, so, you know, you, you have women come in for a variety of reasons. Um, and I think that that's maybe something else to think about when you do have women come into your school is you may not know why they're there. Um, and, it, and it could be something, um, you know, because they saw it on YouTube and it looked great and looked really interesting and fun. Or it could be that they, they have, um, you know, been in a situation of violence that that overwhelmed them at some point and they're, they're surviving it and they're taking measures to make sure that, that they are in, in a better shape afterwards, you know? Um, and, and I don't think women should have to talk about that when they come in to train. I mean, it's not something, you know, if, if somebody wants to share that they can. Um, and, you know, the one thing that I found is that most women that I've talked to have some kind of story and, the ones that really shake me the most are the ones where they're like, well, I've never really had anything happen to me. Oh, but there was this one time that that happened at a party or whatever. And it was like, nobody should ever treat you that way or make you feel that way. Um, and 
you know, but it's not even considered a story. It was just, this is the way things happen all the time. And I think, I find that really uh, distressing. You know, um, I know that my sons uh, have a very different perspective on things. And, uh, you know, I try to encourage that as much as I can. And I think that, you know, a culture that encourages us to not have it so people feel unsafe for different reasons is, is, is definitely important. Um, does that answer your question, Bill? Yeah, it does, it does. And when you were talking, it kind of made me think of something else, which is gonna sound really bizarre when I try and explain it now. So bear with me. <laughs> you mentioned the, the laboratory type setting of, um, of the schools, you know, where, where we train. But have you ever, like, you know, like some of the, the, the self-defense techniques and, I don't know, escaping from under mount or, you know, have you ever tried them on a mattress? Because yeah. the friction and the, the, the fact that you don't get anywhere near as much kind of like mobility when, when you're on a mattress, it almost like renders some of the moves impossible. Um, and, and this is, this is no, like, this isn't a, like a, a, a favorite pastime of mine. <laughs> it, it, where it happened for me, I was, I was, um, I was away like a weekend away, you know, camping with a bunch of lads. And because they know that I train, they often jump me on, on occasions and they try and take the crown, you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm using this because that's an Alan Manganiello story, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, and, and, and there was one occasion where I was on, I was on the bed at the point and, and the guy jumped on me and, and, and it really took an awful lot more effort, an awful lot more thought for me to escape that situation. It worked in the end, but it yeah. wasn't, you know, if it was, the, if it was my first year of training I'm sure I would have been bemused you know and there would have been lots of things that really put me off and made me doubt it it came good in the end but it just made it so much more difficult I wonder if you ever tailor anything for those situations yeah I I have uh taught some of some of the moves that we do particularly you know um from uh, the bottom of mount or from guard uh on a like on a crash pad it's mm. mm. got a little more give to it um just to give a different feel for that or uh, another one uh, you know if you're looking at a triangle or some of the different chokes um, if you're you know your head is right by a, the wall, the wall. Yeah. Um, because like if you don't have you know it's it's great to to know the um, the techniques to shrimp out and to, to escape from somebody from guard but if you've got something behind you, you can't necessarily do that um, so, you know, we, we definitely address some of those, at least I do in some of my classes, mm -hmm. um, a little bit more advanced classes, you know, um, but um, I think that those are some really legitimate things. The other thing that I'm, and I'm sure you guys address this all the time too, is really, really making sure break falls are good um, and strong because, you know, it's one thing to break fall on a mat it's a whole nother thing to break fall on cement or wood floor or something like that. Um, one of the things I've always wanted to do, and I've never really gotten to this point in any of the classes I've taught, but I know some, some, uh, some people who do teach this where they'll actually go outside and teach, you know, sit and since you're, you know, going to be teaching outside shortly, this might be a good plan, but just so that there's different surfaces that you're dealing with, it's, it, it can be very different, you know, um, 
I always tell people that the one of the self-defense moves I've used a lot is um, is break falling um, because you know you not only protect you not only learn to protect yourself against other people but you do learn to protect yourself against yourself and mm. you know I've slipped or whatever and and um, you know had to break fall pretty dramatically um, one time I was at a restaurant and I get I don't know I well I, I will admit I had new shoes on um, that were kind of slippery and I guess it was a wood floor but I mean my feet just went out from underneath me and I did a beautiful break fall, um, you know, uh, and landed. Uh, the staff at the restaurant was, they were really concerned. Um, you know, my kids were embarrassed and the staff were really concerned. Um, I, I think we did get a free bottle of wine out of it, but, uh, you know, <laughs> it was, but it's important, you know, because you do learn to protect yourself in those kind of situations. And, I find that interesting, Bill, too, that you find yourself in situations where you've got, you know, friends or other people sort of testing you um, and surprise Always the same two people, just not <laughs> And that, that can be kind of, that actually can be kind of weird for women too. Um, you know, I've, I've had guys come up to me, you know, really on the mat, fortunately, but, um, you know, and just kind of grabbed me from behind. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I've been able to, to work my way out of it and everything else, but it, you know, it's, I actually, it really kind of bothers me when that happens. I've had that happen to me once as well. Do you remember, were you there, Bill? Or was that when Pete was there? And I just got jumped. I was like, (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, and, and for some women, it's even more serious, you know, where they'll, and I'm sure some guys too, actually, where it'll actually trigger something that happened to them in the past. And then they have to kind of work their way out of that emotionally before they can get into class, you know, and really focus it. So I know it's funny and I know it's a lot of fun and I know, I know everybody does well with it, but sometimes it's like, you know, um, let's think about each other a little bit and not deal that with them. Uh, for me, it's fun. So fortunately, it doesn't trigger anything for me from 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 Good. my degree. But um, but yeah, it, it, what the, it took about a year of training before I could deal with my brother-in-law. <laughs> yeah, he he always he's got the biggest hands, muscles on muscles, and yeah, he, he could just do he do anything to me. I had no answers. Um, but now he grabs me, and as soon as he grabs me, he starts to panic. He's like, I don't know what you're gonna do next. <laughs> right. I can't right. do anything. And and that for me was like the, the validation that I needed that it was working. That yeah. And 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 the, the best thing for me as well like, was that, and it's a lesson you learn fast, is that there isn't an immediate escape always. Actually, it's just staying calm because he's gonna wear himself out. Um, mm-hmm. But nothing bad's happening to me, you know, and it's never yeah, going to be terrible. Just protect yourself. Yeah, it's a little straw. Yeah, it's just yeah. great. It's great practice, actually. You know, never knowing when you're going to get, you know, get jumped next by your family <laughs> member. My <laughs> family member, yeah. <laughs> boys as well now, Kathy. It's not going to be long before they they start doing the same to me as well. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It it can always be interesting, you know, people are very intrigued with what, what it is that we do and, you know, and, and they're always intrigued to see, you know, I, I guess I kind of feel like it's, you know, for two things, two things. One is that I think it's, it's been proven so many times how effective jujitsu is. 
um, that we see it all the time. We see it in MMA fights. We see it, you know, through that long history and, mm. and so forth. But um, also for me as a woman, you know, I, I see that it works a lot when I'm in class training with people and you know of all different sizes and and I can just see the you know it's it's you know I'm I know that they're gonna come at me with something you know you mentioned particularly you mentioned, now particularly now it happened to you sometimes you know on occasions in class you know with consent is it something that you would advocate or would you say you know just stay away from completely well I think that um you know like somebody coming out and surprising you with a move I think that you can drill it in certain ways to make sure that, you know, um, somebody's okay with it. Um, a really great way to do this, and I actually got this from Krav Maga, is to have someone, you know, standing in the middle with their eyes closed and someone comes up or says their name and does, presents with whatever technique it is and they have to respond. And you can do it really quickly. And I think that that's a, actually a really great drill to do. Um, you know, so I, I kind of like that, um, you know, but I, you know, I think that you, yeah, you have to know your friends and you have to know that it's okay. Um, I certainly wouldn't just decide to surprise somebody with it. And, uh, and as I said, I've, I've had that happen to me and, and, you know, um, when, as I said, one guy grabbed me with a rear naked choke and I flipped him over and he kind of looked at me and he goes, I, I didn't think you would throw me. And I said, what did you think? This is the technique. And he goes, I just thought you'd do the fit and it would be okay. And I was like, well, why did you think that? Like, you know, so it was kind of surprising because I think he was surprised uh, as well as I was surprised, but it all worked out. Um, but, uh, you know, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm more of an advocate of let's create a drill where we can simulate that surprise than to just that's surprise somebody. <laughs> you know, that, that, that moment, I don't know, when, when you do the fundamentals classes and, and, and the foundation classes, you know, they're fantastic, but it's very orchestrated. This is a technique we're doing. This is what, you, you know, so people come to the classes very, you know, very, you know, structured. I think, you know, when, when, when you go to the advanced class for the first time, so maybe you've got your nice new blue belt on and you arrive and, and then all of a sudden it's like warm up doing, you know, you might say warm up doing some guard passing techniques. It's like, you're not going to show me what that is first. Or, you know, yeah. that, that kind of like look of fear on the face. I love it. I think it's brilliant. But the, the, <laughs> but the, but the best warm ups is that, you know, that one person in the middle, um, you know, just take turns and do something to that person. And, and we want to see how you respond with the right self-defense technique. Again, right. it's that look of like panic and fear, you know, but this is not the five that I had to demonstrate in my test, you know. It's like, yeah. it be anything. What, what do I do? I, do? Yeah. I think it's a really powerful way of reminding people the importance yeah. of doing those fundamental classes and making sure that they are, you know, second nature. I think it, I, I I like it in, in, a, in, a, in a strange way. That yeah. really helps. I, I agree with you. I think it is important to, to always practice um, from the master text a lot um, for the stand-up moves and to not get so distracted with, with some of the other things, but to make sure that you always have time for that. Uh, one of the things that we do down at our school in Florida 
um, that my partner developed is it was it's a um, drill that he calls around the world and it's a warm-up drill where it's basically the master text and you start with different moves in front and you move around the side and around the back and you learn them as you go and, and we actually do that with all of our classes not just the advanced class and it helps to get that muscle memory and then you can we can add in drills like that where you're just trying to uh, figure out what the self-defense drill is or um, one of the things I'll do in the women's classes a lot is a sequence where, you know, you'll do maybe the punch block defense with the throw and then the other person will take them out and you'll do the trap and roll and, you know, that kind of, you know, back and forth to get that idea of a progression and drilling oh, really as well, cool. build up to it, you know, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think it can be very effective and, and I, I, I love the idea of, of somebody, you know, trying just whatever people bring up to them and you can control it depending on you know the level of advancement the student has you know so it can be you know you know they know these three techniques or whatever it is so it's going to be one of those three or okay you know 10 techniques so we'll we'll add in some more it's interesting like this whole um and obviously you were saying you know you're mentioning it and being aware of it this whole um, focus and spotlight that's been put on women's safety recently, which is which is good. It's it's sort of and the things that you've been describing as well might be things that people listening hadn't even thought of as something that would make someone uncomfortable, mm-hmm. um, which is which is really good. And I, I find I get blindsided the other way around in that because I pretty much grew up in a household full of women, mm-hmm. I wouldn't dream of doing that to someone or I wouldn't you know invade that space or I wouldn't kind of I'm almost preconditioned to it which means that probably I'm blindsided by people that do think like that because I don't think like that yeah so far off my compass I'm like do people really behave like that so I kind of have the other the sort of weird side so it's been good for me over the last couple of weeks being able to reflect to watch other people's behavior more than my own Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because I know I've got mine sort of hopefully Touch balanced in the right direction so it's allowed me to a bit like the self-defense awareness be aware of what's going on so actually am i more in a position to say hey dude don't do that like you know leave leave, you know give us some space or you know whatever it is but it's yeah it's been interesting that it's been highlighted recently for that yeah and and i agree with you i think advocating for other people that are maybe uncomfortable is always an amazing thing to do and and, you know, as you say, sometimes people don't realize that they're making other people feel uncomfortable. They're just sort of never occurred to them, um, you know, that this could be an issue or a problem for somebody, um, you know, so kind of helping to make people aware and think about that is it can be really helpful. Um, yeah. The thing that yeah. hit home for me in the last couple of weeks, you know, it's, it's not just it's not just behavior as in body language, it's words that people use as well. Um, and I think that, you know, you can have such a, a, a damaging effect, you know, just the words and the phrases that you use. And I think, you know, I think we do have a responsibility to, to you know, make sure different situations are, are safe and welcoming. But, you know, utmost for us, you know, based on what we're talking about, you know, the, the jiu-jitsu school, you know, that should be a place of, of complete, you know, safety and comfort and, yeah. Just, just the words as well, I think, is, is important, as well as the body language and, and, the, and the physical behaviours. 
Mm. Yeah, I mean, it is a place that should be, and ideally uh, everyone should feel this way, that it's a safe place mm. to do some very unsafe things or, you know, to be uncomfortable with certain things that you're doing. Because, you know, um, if you think about it in terms of learning, you know, and, and Peter, you may know this from judo, you know, if you're super, super tense and you get thrown and you're fighting that throw with everything you've got, it's usually going to mean your back is going to get very hurt when you hit the ground mm. a lot. And, you know, I, I know this because I've had that happen to me, but it's, um, you know, if we don't feel safe uh, when we're practicing jujitsu, your body is going to be tense. Whenever you're not feeling safe, you, you know, you tense up. I think it's a very natural thing to do. Mm. And then you can't really do the move or learn the move or you could get hurt doing it. Um, and I think, I think the more relaxed we are, you know, uh, I, hate, I hate to refer to studies again, but, you know, they say that one of the best ways to learn something is, is laughing about it, that you remember it because you're laughing about it. Um, but I think that the more relaxed our bodies are while we're learning these things, the better it is for us to learn. And I think that goes back to that idea of, you know, with fundamentals, it's very structured and, you know, it's very cut and dry. And then you get to the open rank class and, oh, this is a little different, but you've sort of been, you know, your body's been learning in that relaxed way. Um, and that's, and that's good. You know, um, I don't, when did you guys all start jujitsu? What, about what year ish? About 10 about, years ago, I think. Yeah. Eight, eight years for me, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, I, th I think in a lot of ways, you know, a lot has changed. You know, I think that there is more attention on curriculum and development um, and less, you know, and I think, again, Master Sauer was really ahead of his time with that. You know, and of course, the Gracie uh, University does a really good job with that and several other associations. But you know, you would go into some schools and it would be like, here's your first day, you know, go, go roll with Thor, you know, and, and it would be like, you're terrified, you know, whether you're, whether you're a woman or a guy, you know, um, you know, <laughs> but um, I think that that's changed a lot, you know, and there, that mentality is, is not there in, a, in, a, in most of the major schools and everything like that. And, you know, it, because that's terrifying, that's scary for anybody. And you can't really learn when you're scared, you know. <laughs> I think you it's know, just not gonna it's not gonna be effective. To build on what you were saying there, Kathy, I think you know, like physically, you can't, you know, you need to be able to relax. But mentally, as well, with the words, I think if you're in a relaxed state mentally, you're gonna absorb more rather yeah. than yeah. being, you know, all hit up. So, yeah. Uh, and and you guys all know, you know, you you know, you get nervous or you get scared or whatever. Your breathing it gets shallow and you know, you can't get enough oxygen in your body and, you know, all kinds of things start to happen that, um, that will affect how you move and what you're doing, you know? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so we I, have, I, oh, go on. Go question yeah, go on. You, Kathy, sorry. You, you're a librarian. Um, I'm really intrigued as to how, do you, do you, do you file and codex everything like the, the techniques and the moves in your head? How do you access them all so quickly? You mentioned concepts earlier. Yeah, I I like to put together things that that fit together because if I can see something that a move that I can do in several different situations, 
it kind of helps me like framing, for example, you know, you can look for framing while you're standing or uh, from many, many positions, whether it's a frame that you're doing um, in guard or, or uh, side body or, or any of those positions. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know if you've ever had like, or if you remember like your Eureka moment with jujitsu. Um, but for me, one of my big, and this is gonna sound so silly, but it made a huge difference in how I thought about things. Um, one of my big Eureka moments when I first started and I was a blue belt was that guard, being in someone's guard and being on the bottom of the mount were really the same thing. And having someone in your guard or being on the top of the mount was really the same thing. It's just upside down. And that was a huge moment for me. And so I realized that, you know, I was pretty comfortable with sort of attacking people, uh, their arms and legs and necks and everything like that from the top of mount, but from guard, I really wasn't. But once I sort of put the two together, I was like, well, okay, well, what I can do from mount, I can do from guard. And it just made it a lot easier for me. And so that's kind of what I mean by putting concepts together. Um, you know, I, I try to think very simply, but yeah, I probably put subjects together. Like this goes with the base movements or this goes with the teeter-totter movements or this goes with framing and try to look at it that way. Um, then I don't have to remember as much. So. <laughs> I'll, uh... To, like a confession is that I'd, I'd kind of a few years ago uh, Professor Manganello mentioned it specifically in a seminar that he did didn't he? he said about okay this is you know it's it's mount guard same and I kind of yeah no I know that and it didn't like and this is only like what two years ago yeah probably probably two years ago and it only sank in about six months after he'd said it actually the application of that so yeah, don't feel bad, anyone, about thinking about that because it only sank into my brain about two years ago. I suddenly went, oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, he wasn't just saying it. <laughs> well, and, you know, and even, like, I know, like, uh, I was thinking, um, Chris, I did some privates with Kristen um, DeBrocker, and, which were great, and she was showing me some things from the bottom of mount and one of the things she was showing me is having good posture from the bottom of mount to make the person on top of you uncomfortable mm -hmm. and i was like this is a really good way to think about this because i do this when i'm in somebody's guard but i didn't make the connection to do the same thing there and and it it helped me tremendously mm -hmm. um you know so um you know i've got to always uh, always look back at those things to try to try to look for those connections so that I can you know employ them in many places yeah love it uh, as soon as I can I'm going to be practicing posture when I've got somebody in my garden <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's very interesting to do and you can see the difference um immediately particularly if it's if they're you know if they're um in kind of a low mount so they're a little bit more over your hips mm. um but you know you've if you can kind of roll your hips and uh engage your core you can see the shift of their balance right away mm. it's really fascinating i love stuff like that <laughs> i can yeah. i can play around with stuff like that for forever but it i i have to really give her credit for that because it really helped me a great deal um with that position 
which my is my brain has just gone off now constantly like where, where is that going to be applicable where you know i'm just thinking oh yeah be, be the equivalent of master when he does a seminar and he never sleeps because he's just thinking jiu-jitsu all the way till four in the morning or whatever his brain yeah. does it's amazing i you know those seminars are so great and you learn so much from them and i don't know I don't, I don't know about you guys, but I always feel like if I learn one thing from a seminar, just one thing, and it could be, you know, hold your hand this way as opposed to that way or whatever it is, um, it's it's worth it to me, you know. Yeah, that's good advice as well, isn't it? We try and tell our guys that, that you yeah. come to a seminar. Don't worry about the fact you don't remember everything that you did in that seminar. Like, you know, yeah. just one, like you say, one thing that change gives you a little again like you said earlier a light bulb yeah. moment or mm-hmm. yeah the one little thing and you know we like robin and i are furiously trying to remember everything and take down notes because obviously then we can integrate it into what we're sure. teaching Absolutely. But, yeah, yeah you guys can you guys can chill but you can just enjoy the seminar drink it in just yeah. drink it in and yeah. have a good time and come yeah. away with one or two things and you're you're good to go you know yeah 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 even if it's you're just more inspired about jujitsu mm-hmm. Mm-hmm you know see I, can't, can do. I can't remember much from Luis heredia's seminar when he was here mainly because mm-hmm. he was strangling me for a lot of it <laughs> <laughs> but i know i enjoyed it <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's a win <laughs> cool. i know i know we always talk about that it's like yeah it's great i get to go choke people and be choked it's it's a wonderful time you know <laughs> it's my fast time I feel so much better. I'm relaxed now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, people, people but it's true. It does, doesn't it? Um, it does relax you. And I have a good friend who does not do jujitsu, and but she's she's really good and she knows me very well. And she goes, you know, I can tell when you've missed like three or four days of jujitsu because you get a certain tone in your voice. And she said, and then I can tell if you've gone to a class. She said, I can immediately hear the change in voice. You know, she said, you're just so relaxed. You're so, you know, everything's good. <laughs> and I think that, I think that that's the case. I think it can be really that way for so many people. Yeah. And there's a, there's been a year of, uh, of people that haven't had that release, right. That are just. Yeah. Yeah. On the edge. On the edge. <laughs> well, soon. Right. Soon. Yeah. Soon. Yeah. It's getting closer all the time, getting closer. So yeah. Light at the end of the tunnel, which is very good to see hopefully fingers crossed well and realize too that this is you know um jiu-jitsu is a lifelong thing so you'll be doing it the rest of your life and you'll get back to it so yeah yeah we definitely will well i'm gonna i'm gonna stop us here because otherwise we're going to turn into rogan and take up about three hours of your time because oh this has been terrific thank you <laughs> We can keep going on. It's been an amazing guest. And you can take the uh, credit for being the person who's had the most stuff going on in the chat whilst you've been on as well. A few times. It's, it's pages. Wow. Yeah, it's pages <laughs> and pages. I think, um, uh, do you know Kim uh, Kim Wagner? Yes, she's a good friend of mine. Yeah. Oh, there you go. So she's been on there as well. Yeah. and supporting. Wow, this yeah. is amazing. That's incredible. Thank so, you guys all. I'm I'm glad I'm glad that she was able to to hook on and watch it. I told a few people that I'd be doing it now, so um, you know, I didn't. I and I wasn't really sure how it worked, so I was like, I I think you can get onto it, but I'm not sure. I hope you can, um, but otherwise, I'll share it later. 
Yeah, no, they've all got on it. And yeah, it's been amazing. It's been brilliant. I've really, really yeah, enjoyed you. it. And well, thank so, you guys so much. I yeah. really enjoyed sitting and talking with you guys. And uh, it's just wonderful to do that always and to uh, talk about what we all so passionately love. Is there anything you want to talk about? Do you want to sort of, if people were interested in starting jiu-jitsu and they're in the area of your uh, academy and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll give you two spots in the States. If you are in the uh, central area of Florida, in Inverness, Florida, um, myself and my partner, Chris, Chris Holmes, are there uh, and uh, more than welcome to come in. Um, and if you are up in the Washington, D.C. area, uh, One Spirit Martial Arts in Herndon, Virginia is a great place to train. Uh, it's where I spend a lot of time training. And don't be afraid to come in if it's just something you're curious about. Give it a shot and see what you think. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And those two books that you mentioned, I will put those, I'll find those on Amazon. Okay. I'll find a link on, on the internet for people to uh, put those forward and I'll put them on my uh, Kindle list as well. Yeah, they're really good reads. Um, and if you if you have trouble finding them or anything, just let me know and I'm sure I can locate a link for you. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> You'll definitely be better at that than me. <laughs> no, no, I'm sure I'd do the same thing. <laughs> so um, thank you, everybody, that's been listening along and that's been on the chat if you're on YouTube. Um, really appreciate your interaction as well. Um, it's really nice to have, you know, know people are watching live as well. Um, as usual, I'll upload this to all the other usual places. So um, iTunes and um, Spotify and Google Podcasts and anywhere else that you get your podcasts if you want the audio version. Um, if you haven't, can you like, subscribe, hit the notification bell if it's YouTube or if it's iTunes or any of those other wonderful things? Can you leave a review or give it a star rating or something like that and just put it onto download for each week? And that really helps us out as well. So thank you very much. I'll uh, cut us off on the live here. Appreciate um, it. Yeah, we will catch you guys next week. We're still in lockdown, so there'll be another one next week.